Welcome to the Everything ECU podcast. This is episode seven of our summer series with Tracy Money. I can't believe we are already seven episodes in. I am so grateful for Tracy's expertise in planning for learning. Welcome back, Tracy. Thanks for having me back, Carla. So today um, we're looking at reflect and act. So we've taken a deep dive into pedagogical documentation cycle. We reviewed the first step to observe and document and then explored the analysis and interpretation step. Today, we'll finish with implications and reflections, also known as the reflect and act step. So this is where we look at the next steps for the children, um, but also the next steps for the educators. If you listen to the previous podcast, we talked about the importance of including yourself in that documentation, recording what you said and did. And this allows for the opportunity to review whether you were able to complement the learning, interfere with it or added no value at all. And I hope I don't offend anyone by saying that, but this is the reality of being an educator. We have the best intentions, but we miss the mark at times. And so being a reflective in that reflective stance, it helps us to make improvements. So just like our next steps for our learners, we look more closely at the next steps for ourselves. So what might we say or do differently next time to support the learning in the ways that we had intended? Um, and educators will also plan for the levels of support, whether it's guided, shared, modeled, or independent, and record what you might say to respond, challenge, or extend children's thinking. You could plan intentional groupings, um, make a list of materials that you might add or remove um, from a learning experience, and then plan the learning experiences. So during the analyze and interpret step is where we're able to identify the specific learning goals that the children were demonstrating as we uncovered the curriculum through, the doc through our documentation. And remember, if we wanna maximize the learning, we must plan on the ways that we can scaffold it to avoid repeating what children are capable of doing already and doing well. So that's where differentiated instruction comes into play. Differentiated instruction does not mean um, completely different learning opportunities for each child, but rather differentiate based on our role, how we communicate with the children and the way that we extend, challenge, or respond to them during the learning opportunity, or through the small group instruction that will be specific to the child's or children's learning needs. For example, children, or sorry, educators have been observing children filling up containers at the water table and then taking the same containers and filling them with loose parts. The educators feel after analyzing, interpreting the documentation that this is a way that children are exploring capacity. Mm. And after reviewing the specific expectations relating to this cognitive domain and more specifically math concepts, the educators plan to differentiate the instruction based on children's needs and the role the educator will play in how they respond, extend or challenge the children's thinking. So some children will be learning words like theory, predict, estimate and naming the specific number of items that are inside the containers, while others will be naming the objects that they're using in order to build their vo vocabulary with those everyday items. Um, so such as cup, bowl, gems or water and learning the words to identify how much is inside. So full, empty, more or less. And then the educator will model that for them. While other children may be encouraged to write what they see, think and wonder, others may be encouraged to draw a picture. Um, by providing children with clipboards, paper and writing um, utensils will help them to be better able to demonstrate their autonomy over their learning by being able to access the materials they need to track, or sorry, to keep track of their thinking or share their findings with others. And I think this is where play is so crucial because 
if you were an educator and say we were reading this as a list, you'd be like, oh my gosh, like how am I supposed to have so-and-so do the vocabulary, this person write this, this child do this, this child do this, and it can be overwhelming. But then when you take a step back and you're like, oh, play. Play is the answer to how to incorporate this. And I think that is incredible. And your examples were just spot on. Yeah. So the children are already um, drawn to these areas. They're already showing you this. So you're just adding things to support them and sort of like focusing on the metacognition piece, right? They're understanding their thinking, right? We're naming it for them. Um, Here are some other ways that educators can plan for next steps in the children's learning. So they can, so these educators plan to put out different size baskets in an area of a room with the display of new loose parts to explore. So there's some excitement there, right? They plan to begin the experience by observing how children choose to interact with the materials and documenting what the children say and do. They also plan to be more interactive with the children later in the day after giving them ample time to explore the materials independently. This time focusing on the different ways they had planned to extend, challenge, or respond to the various children. Again, this is just one example of how you can differentiate the learning. And your plans may not always include all the children because at times you may be planning for specific groups of children or one to two based on their individual needs. But planned learning experiences can offer um, the opportunity to work on many domains at the same time. I just caution that we don't want to go too broad as this will make the learning watered down and your teaching approach is less effective, making it really difficult to track children's demonstration of their learning or where their gaps in learning are if we focus on too many short-term goals at one time. So it's just, you kind of, you don't want to be too broad, but not too focused either, right? You have to allow some wiggle room. So I recommend focusing on one to two long-term goals and those being the overall expectations from the domains or the four, four frames if you're using the kindergarten document. And from those overall expectations, choose two to three specifics that you're working toward. This is another really handy piece too. So um, I suggest recording what the look fors are that tell you that children are learning in the ways that you had intended. What might they say or do that lets you know they're, they're grasping these concepts? Because sometimes we, we go in thinking this is what we're working on and then we're like, what, like I, I'm not sure what I'm doing. So right. this is just like a little reminder for you, right? When, and, and whoever is, might be observing, like if your educator partner is in there, they know what they're looking for, right? Or listening for. Right. Yeah, so this will help you dive back into that pedagogical documentation cycle later on. So when possible, include children in their plans for learning. So where uh, they might wanna take it, how they like to demonstrate their knowledge or share their findings with others. Children may even want to recreate a learning experience after reviewing the documentation to make changes or build on an idea. Okay, so I want to leave you with this quote to reflect on. If a child can't learn the way we teach, maybe we should teach in the way that they learn. So, yes, yes, a (laughs) hundred times, yes. And the theory is great, and we need to put that into practice a lot more. And I think you've nailed it on the head as to how we can do that. Yeah. So, and with that, I want to leave. Um, everyone with the questions, with some questions to prompt professional dialogue around this thinking. So why is differentiated instruction important to children's learning? Why might that be? And do all children have the right to learn or only the 90% that learn in the way we teach? Oh, and I mean, we know no child should be left behind, right? And that 10% 
is just as important, if not more important to making sure that they nail those concepts. Yes, absolutely. Amazing. Tracy, as always, thank you. I am so sad that episode eight, which is coming next is going to be our last one because it has just been incredible (laughs) learning from you. Your experience and your expertise have just, even for myself as an educator of 16 years, I mean, there have been really some golden nuggets that I just would never have thought to bring into my classrooms. Thank you, Carla, for this experience. Thank you. Join us next week for episode eight.